You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more. Today on our show, I'm talking with Clement Page. Clement's talking to me from Bristol in the UK. Clement, thanks for being with me today. Thanks. Good. Good to, good to speak to you, Brainerd. Clement, let's talk about what's happening, um, what's happening there. We're talking in uh, the end of November in 2021. I know you're usually between Bristol and Berlin. What's what's happening in in Bristol now? I know we're going to talk about a few projects, shows, and and, uh, and a monograph. But what's happening yeah, in your studio at the moment? There. Okay. Yeah. Well, I've, I've yeah recently moved into a new studio, so that's uh, been really uh, kind of inspirational in a way. Having a because I was I, I spent a little bit of time working on paper um, at the be- end of last year, beginning of this year. So I sort of worked from home for a while because of the lockdowns and. I lost the studio. Anyway, now I've managed to get a new studio which is self-contained with my own door and my and no, I don't have to breathe in anyone else's air. <laughs> so that's kind of really good, you know, having that uh, self-contained uh, thing during the, this time with, uh, you know, with rising uh, COVID cases and stuff. But, um, yeah, in the last few years, really, or um, I kind of, well, I was always painting, really, and as well as making films, but I kind of decided that I could only really be um, kind of servant to one thing. So I uh, focused really on painting since about 2014. Um, and I've been exploring, in a way, ways to involve the viewer in a direct way with painting, um, which is, in a way, comparable to film. So I was kind of experimenting with a variety of paints and different substrates, which could, ar- could enable that, you know. And uh, I sort of arrived um, at the use of mirrors as a substrate, for painting, which, which interestingly kind of allows me to inscribe the viewer's reflection and the environment of the paintings in, you know, into the painting, as it were. So it's sort of what, what interested me is that you can kind of combine these two um, aspects of, you know, like this kind of to-be-looked-at to aspect of painting, uh, and it's contrasted with this kind of to-look-at-yourself aspect of mirrors, so. Yeah, it's very interesting. One of the things about that, I've I've seen this work on your website, of course, and there's links here so other people can too. Yeah. Um, it's it's such a different process to photograph this work, right? When you photograph this work, oh, yeah. of the mirrors as the substrate, we don't see anybody in it. The photographer's not in it, nobody's in it. So it's a sure. different type of object, right? Because it's really meant to have the viewer's image in it. Yeah, right? yeah. I mean, ultimately... Um, yeah, when they're when they're installed in very large space, white spaces, I suppose, then then of course you tend to only see. Then it's kind of easier to photograph it with people reflected in the mirrors. But but in general, these are shot in um, a photography studio or in my studio. So at the moment, and um, so I actually, it's funny. You have to put up a huge uh, sheet of white paper, massive, great piece of paper, and you put a little hole through it, and the lens of the camera goes through that. Um, and then you kind of Photoshop it out afterwards in, from, <laughs> from the reflection. Mm-hmm. So it's a strange process. But, of course, that's, yeah, the, yeah, in a way, to photograph them is difficult, um, especially mm-hmm. with – you don't want loads of unwanted reflections from the studio in, 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 in a kind of – Well, it's actually impossible, right? I mean, if it's an interesting situation, it's actually impossible to photograph them. You can, but it, it's the experience you're talking about is one that you could photograph, but it would be someone, to, you know, uh, kind of, you know, in the image, which then, of course, you know, yeah, is, yeah, is it's yeah. more personal, which is a very interesting take on, 
on how to even reproduce this, which, which brings yeah, us to there's, yeah. a, there's a monograph you're working on as, as well. Is that correct? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I've been working on this for um, some years, really. With um, Hans Urgubris, uh, we, we, we kind of go back quite a long time. We originally met when he, in a way, first was uh, started to be active in London in the early 90s. I met, met him actually through uh, my mentor, Stuart Morgan, who was one of the editors of Art Forum, actually, in the late um, 80s. He was very active in New York and championed the careers of Louise Bourgeois and uh, Robert Gobo and Bill Viola and so on, along, of course, other critics too. But in terms of as an English critic, he, he championed that. And uh, So anyway, I met um, Hans-Erik Ubris through Stuart, my uh, mentor friend, uh, because... Um, Hans-Rick Ubris was living in the same house in the Elephant Castle, this, uh, this kind of council block. Um, anyway, I'm, going, I'm kind of digressing, but um, yeah, so the monograph I'm working on with Hans-Rick, uh, it's a kind of long interview we've been working on for several years, um, and um, quite personal interview in a way. It's not like his, you know, he, 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 he has a kind of auto method of doing a lot of interviews, but this is quite different. Um, and also Sasha Craddock, who's a really... See, um, to, to, to tell me how it is different, because it's, it's funny. I've interviewed him about interviewing. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's I guess a, he's, it's he's just... a kind of a serial interviewer himself, but, but he, yeah. sometimes he does it over long periods of time. Sometimes they surface, and many times they don't. He's got a lot of, a lot yeah. of tape. How was your conversation with him uh, conducted uh, yeah. over the yeah, period was, of years? Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we, well, we kind of, funny enough... Um, because obviously we were, we were, we kind of were close at that time. We saw each other almost every week, several times a week. And during that time between I don't know ninety five and ninety seven or so, um, and actually I went to live in New York in ninety six, and I saw him a lot there as well. But because um, his girlfriend was there at the time. But um, yeah, no. So it's just I guess it's you know he begins by talking about we met at the beginning of your trajectory through Stuart Morgan, and we talk about that and. We talk about um, the house and all the people that used to come there. And, you know, there was Klaus Biesenbach and Crampton Street in London. And, there was, and he was, they were cohabiting, uh, Hans Rick and him. And, you know, people would turn up like, I don't know, Douglas Gordon. And, um, well, there's so many people would what come through. What, 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 what the, these, these, these years were like 94, 95, 96 primarily, those years, yeah. Mm. He, he was very busy in Paris and London at that time, and, and he was also working up to curating his first show in London, which was at the Serpentine, Take Me, I'm Yours, in 96, I believe, yeah. Um, of course, now he's director and so on of that, of the whole, you know, he's, he is the Serpentine now, but um, yeah, it's funny how, how I met him just at that point. So, so we talk a lot about that in the interview, which I'll, I'll send it to you, but you'll see it in the book when it's published uh, by Hadja Kantz in 2023. It's going to be published. It's um, a 200-page monograph. So it's a kind of retrospective in book form. And let's talk about that, that's just so that what's in there, because that's what everybody should, who are listening, is potentially, you know, get a hold of that uh, and, yeah. and and read it. But these are these are plates, these are images from... From how far back, and, and does okay, it come right so, up to the present? Or, or? Yeah, it's, it's a big focus on the last five years of um, where I've been, um, you know, working with this liquid paint on, on, mirror, on mirror glass and also now um, on um, mirror-polished copper, steel, and, um, and, and brass. Actually, brass I rather like because it has a, this warmth and this kind of color ground, as it were, and the reflections are, aren't as strong as, let's say, polished stainless steel or, or mirror glass. So... So in a way, it's, 
a more interesting, uh, an easier substrate to work with uh, as a painting substrate. But yeah, and I've been working with this um, liquid mirror paint, which, uh, I, I was, as I say, I was exploring lots of different kinds of paint. Um, they're all oil-based, but they, you know, they have this ability to to, to flow and blend and um, inter interpenetrate one another. Uh, you know, in this kind of in this in, in this rather way, a bit like marbling, but it's nothing really like that. In fact, I'm I'm doing all kinds of experimenting with all kinds of things you can do with it. But um, that's what so you'll what see. So, what kind of paint is this? Where's this paint coming from? This is okay, so a particular kind. Yeah. yeah, it's primarily it's a company in Spain called Pibio. So it's a, it's it's meant to be uh, an imitation of stained glass paint, um, but it's you don't have to fire it. So that's the point. It's it comes in a non a non oil based and an oil based version. I use the oil based version because it tends to do what I want more. But I'm also using 18th century oil traditional oil based gloss paint um, based on 18th century recipe English recipes. Um, because that has, weirdly enough, it has a hundred. You know, it can last hundreds of years. But it, it so it's a gloss paint. But I use it on canvas because um, the 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 PBO Spanish gloss paint. It's called this transparent um, glass paint. It it only works on 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 metal or glass. Uh, whereas um, on canvas it doesn't work. So so on canvas I tend to use this um, gloss. You know, this traditional oil-based gloss. Um, and and, and and so and so it, it, it's a very unusual kind of substrate. Of course, the mirror too. You would think it would be hard to just adhere to a surface like that, does it? Yeah, yeah. It, no, it's really not. I mean, not well. That's why. Yeah, I was experimenting with various different um, paints. Uh, I mean, most paints will adhere to it, but they don't. Not terribly well. I mean, oil. It tends to be oil-based paints. Do you know? Oil paint obviously will. Acrylics not won't at all. You know, you have to use flashy or something. So. You know that vinyl-based acrylic of flashy uh, would work on glass. I don't use that, but I I, I use these oil-based paints, the PBO oil-based paint. Um, yeah, it, it's what's quite nice about it is with mirror glass itself. If you kind of because they're very based on chance and very much um, based on this free-flowing, you know, and I use chance and I allow, I kind of follow what's happening with the paint, and I I often it, often it kind of it tells me new things. It offers new possibilities, and I, I go with that. Sometimes I control it. I draw into it with a Terps rag. But yes, it's very hard to control, on, on, on particularly on mirror glass, because yeah, obviously it's it's this liquid paint. It's flowing, always flowing and moving. Um, and you know, it's it, it becomes a the kind of it becomes a balancing act between how much you, you know, putting on as little as possible, but putting on the right amount and diluting it only very slightly with turpentine. So I tend to use it quite pure. The, the more you dilute it, obviously, the more it flows, and then the more difficult it is to control. But, um, um, but yeah, in a way, it's about an absence of control. That's what I'm interested in. I'm sort of consciously embracing chance um, in these works. Very well, the, much the so. breaking of the surfaces also does that. I don't know if you're still done that, but you've also broken the mirror, which is which oh is also yeah. A, yeah, yeah, right. At the start of at the start of these this this process of kind of trying to bring film and painting together in some way and I mean the use of mirrors primarily came from my filmmaking because you know I'd I'd use mirrors a lot to uh, kind of create views of the set which weren't wouldn't be actually physically possible for the camera uh, but often I would kind of I wouldn't necessarily show that these were mirrors in the film as it were I wouldn't show the frame of the mirror in the film so that you'd see views of the set which which basically couldn't actually exist in reality as it were um, 
so that was kind of I was always using mirrors in in my films um, and also I mean my films were heavily involved interested in psychoanalytic ideas and so you know the relation between the viewer and the film and um, so I wanted to kind of find a way of yeah involving the viewer in in painting in us in this direct way a bit like films and uh, yeah the mirror substrate came up as a solution so but um, it's funny actually at art school as well I remember the, my initial I think idea about mirror and painting came from because I remember at painting school my painting tutors would say hey you know if you, you get stuck with your painting have a look at it in the mirror you know because by reversing it in the mirror you kind of see all the problems or you see a way of going forward you know if you're stuck you know what I mean um, and that, that kind of resonated, I remember that. And so that was the initial idea. Um, right now I've actually, I've been working, as you can see, a lot of the images you have on your site and on my website, they, I've been using these two mirrors in the corner so the mirrors reflect each other. You know, the painting, each painting on each, each mirror at right angles to one another kind of conceals and reveals the other, as it were. But also it, the painting conceals the reflection of the viewer too. Um, and I'm currently doing a series of um, 20 quite s smaller mirror, stainless steel mirror paintings, which are singular in a way, but they work as a, they kind of go around the corner, but, you know, there's 10 on each side of the corner, and they're spaced out from one another in a different way. Um, and they're much more, uh, they're much more like paint, conventional paintings in the sense that there's much less of the mirror visible, if you know what I mean. Um, and how will these be installed, and, and where will these be installed? Because that's, that's also a big yeah. part of the, the process yeah. of the installation and how they kind of talk to each other, in a sense. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, I mean, they can, the way I'm working is very much um, that they can be alternated. They're, they're kind of, you know, they can be alternated in different installations, different places, because, of course, they're context-specific in the sense that they always reflect their environment. So, so that, that the, every installation of the work becomes becomes uh, in a way changes the work um, but yeah next year at the HSBC headquarters in London the, I'm doing a solo show there of the mirror paintings in their gallery which is in um, Canary Wharf um, and of course that's a sort of steel and glass modernist building you know so there's a lot of reflections already going on there um, so that will be quite challenging and interesting um, they do have some walls but um, they kind of block out some of the glass with walls, so to speak, but I'll be building temporary walls inside the space at different angles, so I can control the angle of reflection between the painting painted mirrors, you know, as it were. And is and is part of the process not to have reflections of other painted mirrors within one, so that so that they're all isolated in a sense, or yeah, some of the, the the ones that are, the, the, yeah, right now I'm kind of, because I'm starting to work with combining um, canvas canvas paintings let's say with mirror with mirror painting so rather than you know this um i i, I don't know i've made 20 or 30 or so of um multiple mirrors where there, there might be four two on each side of a corner or one on each side of a corner so that it's very much about them being at right angles to one another and you know that kind of um imagine uh, you know this imaginary pictorial space that's created through that um that effect as it were um but now I'm currently, yeah, interested in um, them being displayed multiply along one, you know, uh, as, as it were, singular paintings, which are, but shown as, as, a, as a group. So they're always, it's always multiple. It's never just one, as it were. You know, I never, exp I don't want to be, you know, this sort of fetishized singular painting 
experience at all. It's much more about the experience of you know ten or twenty um, small small works kind of arranged together. So yeah, I do want them to reflect one another, but it's in a much less direct way where you stick, you know, when you have two in a corner, very, you know, almost busted up against each other in the corner, of course, they become one, it becomes one image, you know, as it were, um, one, one word. So, when they're, so, so, so that's an installation in a gallery. What happens when they're installed in a, in a collector's home? Is that, is that also okay. uh, usually yeah. multiple pieces and, and that are interacting with one another? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, yeah. Sometimes not. You know, sometimes people have a singular one. Um, sometimes they, um, they, if they have more than one, then well, I mean, it's up. It's of course that's up to them. But in general, the, so far, um, one collector really liked the idea that they're in the corner, in the sense that he doesn't particularly want to see himself all the time in the mirrors. You know, so he quite liked the idea that. They, they reflect each other mainly, you know, and they reflect parts of the room. But uh, it's only if you go, you know, quite close to the corner, as it were, that you, you start to see yourself in a very obvious way in them. So he quite liked that, you know what I mean? That, um, um, so it also, that's interesting because it, since it's, I mean, it's, it's, to me that's interesting to talk about because how, how the work exists in, in a gallery, of course, or a museum is different than it'll exist in a home. Because in a home, it, it'll have um, there's something that becomes very personal about it. It, 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 it almost almost changes to some extent because yeah, absolutely, it's, yeah, it's not with others, right? It's al- almost reflective of the of the personality or somehow interactive with the with yeah. the collector, almost. Yeah, I mean, all of the mythology and all of the kind of aura surrounding mirrors and the history of you know the the historical ideas around mirrors um, come into play, which is what I I like and wanted that to happen you know um but, and of course you know like robert smithson's use of uh, his travels in ukata where the, where the mirrors um you know it displace the actual physical environment that they're placed in and they can they you know the 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 mirror object changes as it's moved so that minimalist use of mirrors of course was at the back of my mind um you know sir john Soane's museum in london the way he used mirrors in his house it was particularly interesting to displace architecture to to reveal views that couldn't be seen with the actual eyes um and you know optical illusions with mirrors so all of those things and the i mean film again it it really came from a film because as you i'm sure you're aware you know nearly filmmakers are obsessed with mirrors because in a way you know when we when we make films um we kind of in a sense you always mirror you are always mirroring even if you don't use a mirror because you you're using op, you know shot reverse shot you're using reverse angle um photography you're using multiple cameras which show the same thing from two opposite viewpoints which one is reversed just like a mirror reverse is what you see you know what i mean so that that's kind of what I wanted to to do, um, but yeah, now I'm um, I, after three years now of working exclusively with mirrors, uh, painting on mirrors. I, I'm kind of um, yeah, I'm enjoying going back to um, combining canvas with mirror, but in in a, in a less obvious way. So they're not. It's not like a canvas on one side of the corner and a mirror on the other side, which I have done. I've done that, but that that seemed a bit obvious to me and. Um, so now I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm putting mirrors on tables, which you can wheel around the gallery. Because I, I paint them flat, actually. I paint, they have to be flat on a table when I paint them, because otherwise, you know, the paint would just drip off. You know? So it's all about gravity, you know, controlling it with gravity. So I, and I use little wedges to, to you know, to, to, so it's, it's about how much you tilt 
the, 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 the surface of the mirror off the horizontal plane of the table, you know, how much, you know, you don't just sort of grab it and tip it upright, otherwise you just, the whole thing would go crazy. You, you know what I mean? You, you just do right. tiny, yeah. tiny little tilts, and it all depends which end and which side and which corner you tilt, you know, depend, that creates certain flows and movements. But at the moment I'm using counter flows in the paint, so I'm, you know, I'll like, um, I'll flow it all one way and then let that settle and, and not harden because it, the other thing is it's hugely energetic painting and challenging because the paint dries in six hours. So you literally have a six-hour window to complete the painting um, or at least the section you're working on, you know. Right, right, right. Well, that's it's exciting. I'm so glad we got into this and, and, and could explore the medium and, and, and how it's viewed even more. Um, yeah. I want to wish you well on, your, on, the, on this upcoming uh, book with Hans-Olof Oberst and, uh, and, of course, your Thank exhibits. Thank you. Uh, I want yeah. to ask you one more question, though, which is what are you uh, reading at the moment? I'm always curious what everyone's reading. Yeah, yeah, exactly, Ben. Um, well, I've, I'm always reading a lot of different things, really, at once. But um, funnily enough, um, yeah, Mary Weatherford, I just got a nice monograph on her, published by Lund Humphreys, an English publisher. Yeah. I, like her, I like her take on uh, the neons on, the, on, the, on these kind of rather expressionist canvases. But, uh, no, I'm reading... Um, I'm, re- I'm reading that. I'm reading about James Terrell, a show at, uh, that was in a retrospective at Vienna. I'm reading a book also about the art and space movement, uh, light and space movement in L- L.A. in the 60s um, called uh, Phenomenal. And, um, but I'm primarily into um, reading uh, Adorno, Theodore Adorno's aesthetic theory, which is really heavy going, but um, I keep dipping into that every night um i'm reading italia calvino's novels as well um but what i one thing that really chimed with me in terms of adorno's aesthetic theory um was he talks about how um in painting how even if something appears to be completely meaningless you know if the paint appears just to be paint let's say and it appears not to be about any particular image or even about color or about gesture or in the texture or any abstract thing you could come up with even when it appears to be completely meaningless you know in a sense every everything you put inside a rectangle signifies everything creates semblance you know in a sense and so he he talks about that how how in a way when we're dealing with painting it's semblance is unavoidable Kevin, i want to thank you for talking to me today i really appreciate your time and the work you're doing uh, yeah, thank so you. much for your time. Yeah, l- lovely. Thanks, Bernard. And uh, speak to you soon. Hope to see you soon. Thank you. You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more.